0: Uh before I get started, I wanna I want to tell you guys how my day started today. It's been a, it's been a great day so far. So last night before I go to bed, I open up my uh I go to BCU.com, open up my card statement. Oh cool, fraudulent fraudulent uh thingies. I'm like, oh great. Hundred bucks, ten bucks, and I'm like awesome, praise God. I'm losing money and I didn't buy nothing. I wake up this morning and I uh I call BCU because they don't have a 24-hour thing. I call them, and they're like, "Uh, yeah, we should be able to take care of it, but you have to fill out this form and all this stuff. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Well, God's in charge. If I need this money back, I'll get it back. If not, then somebody got blessed with a $100 Starbucks reloaded gift card and some big fluffy dog shelter in Tennessee. Anyways, I go to work. Had a really, really, really expensive camera today really, really expensive. I break it. I'm like, oh, great, man. This day is just getting awesome. It's one of those great days. And my boss comes in and my boss really rarely comes into work and he's just like walking in. And I'm like, you just had to come on this day so I could tell you, you know, I like telling you over the phone better than so I'm like this is broken. He's kind of like looking at it. He's like, you can't fix this. I'm like, no, I can't fix this. This is not fixable. He's like, okay, let me, let me try. So he goes and tries. Uh, he's pretty much like working on it, and then I, I leave. I have to go home, so I go home after work. I get a. Uh, Zoya walks up to me like right now, <laughs> right before service, and she's like, and she's like, "No, are you are you really worried about the camera?" I'm like, "Well, no, not 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 really, but inside, yeah, yeah I'm worried." She's like, "Oh, that's okay. My husband fixed it. Don't worry about it." I'm like, "Whoo! Yeah, he fixed it." So, and. So it's been one of those days where Zemo was just praying for, or talking about miracles and, uh, you know, living, living, living this life, you see a lot of miracles. And uh, just you, you, could, you could write a book like every single day of all the things that happen in your life and how God ends up taking care of everything every single time. So uh, every time you come out here, and, 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 and you preach, you always want to say something fresh. You always want to say something that's exciting. You always want to say something that nobody's ever heard that's new. I got nothing like that for you because <laughs> God, God told me this. He's like, Noah, this is what you got to do. And, and this is what you got to do every single time when you, when you, when you do anything. You got to come back to your first love. You got to come back to the beginning. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, the title of this message, I, just, I called it Coming Back Home. Coming back home and I want us to open up to uh the book of Revelation. Most controversial book in the Bible. The one where you don't understand half the things that you're reading, but you have to anyways, because it's December and it's on the Bible plan. <laughs> anyways, uh but we're only gonna be in chapter two. Chapter two is understand Revelation 2. Most people understand what's what's in the when, when you get into like chapter 16 and The woman fighting the dragon and the baby, and you're like, what is going on? And the seven-headed monster with seven heads on each head, and each head has seven horns, and each horn has 49 eyes or whatever. Anyways, God will explain it all to us when we're in heaven. Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand the one who walks among the seven golden, gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen all your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You, have, you, you, exam, you examine the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. The church in Ephesus, you know, God told me to, to, to go back to the beginning, so I started thinking about the first really, really big revelation that I got was that and that was when I was reading the book of Ephesians. So I started uh, thinking about the church in Ephesus again. I started thinking about how is it possible that they did everything right, but they still lost it along the way? How is it possible that, that if, if you even read the things in verse 2 and 3, they did everything right. They didn't tolerate evil people. They didn't tolerate sin. They, they fought against it. What happened? How did they fall away from God? How did they turn off to the side and, and start doing something funky in their lives? And uh what's interesting is what we we read re- yesterday. Let's open up to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Man I I love I love the the part in the Bible plan where we're like reading the the 13 level letters of Paul. That's just it's like every every single book is just has got its own characteristics but, and it's all amazing. So in 1 Timothy chapter 1 in verse 3 this is Paul saying, When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to me- meaningless speculations, which don't help people live a life of faith in God. So we see the same church. We see Ephesus. And and uh, Paul pretty much he placed timothy to be in ephesus to to guard uh to guard the city to guard the church there from false teaching from all these weird things that started going on so pretty much timothy was placed there as a a protector timothy was placed there somebody that was going to teach them and 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 lead them to god so and, and what's interesting is it it says it says what what they try to do is waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees So pretty much what they were doing they weren't really like just straight up bringing the world into the church that's not what they were doing they were going off into left field with with different ideas and 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 different revelations that they received from who knows who and who knows what you know and and it's just interesting because it's like uh this this church it did everything right but it still ended up falling away and i and i believe that that the reason it fell away is because they they became religious because they really fell into that trap that these people were bringing and uh you know a false teaching we're living in times where there is a lot of false teaching there is a lot of false teaching there there is it's uh we went to a con- uh, i went to a concert recently and i personally i really liked it it was just it was powerful praying there. presence of god was awesome everything was good you know it was uh, it was kind of like a worship worship night there's one thing that really bothered me about this concert there's one thing and and what bothered me more than anything is the words in the song that they were the songs that they were singing some of you probably aren't expecting that some of you are expecting me to say something else cuz we saw some movements and some worshiping you know when people really feel the holy spirit and they just need to move a certain way but that's not what really bothered me. What bothered me is the words and the songs that they sang. Every single song that they sang was about God's love and God's grace. There was not one song. There was not one song that I noticed where they were singing and they were saying, God, I'm a sinful man. Cleanse me. Or God, purify me. God, I'm, I'm nothing without you. There was not one song. like that. Every single song was about love, was about grace, was about God's compassion and how we're saved and how everything's awesome in life. And when they were speaking, you know, in between songs, same stuff was coming out. You know, God's going to bring a revival to America. Everything's great. Everything's awesome. And I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head, I'm thinking, what about sin in people's lives? You know, we're all humans in this place. I don't know how many people are in this place, but I'm like, we're all humans. And you could see, you know, just, just looking at the people there, you're like, okay, well, it doesn't seem like they're all even saved. Some of them are just doing funky things. There's this whole time in, in front of us, <laughs> no, this whole time there was this dude and and his girlfriend and the whole time during worship they were just like this pretend there's his girlfriend's here just i'm not holding air the whole time they're just standing like this and i'm thinking you know i'm like trying to pray and i open my eyes and it's like it just like cuts at you and it's like what are you guys doing supposed to be worshiping god here not not people not each other and so just based on that i saw that there was sin in the place there there were there were people who who probably don't have everything together in their heads and i'm thinking why are these worship leaders why aren't they communicating about that why are not they trying to bring salvation to people isn't that the main reason that we do anything in this life isn't that the whole reason that we're christians is to be the light to others what's the point of us worshiping if we're just soaking in the presence of god no there has to be there has to be repentance afterwards people have to see just like isaiah people have to see that they're unclean that's what the real presence of god is when people start realizing that they're nothing without god and they need him and that's and that's what's interesting if if uh, we go back to revelation the first thing that god says about him it says god says i have this complaint about you you don't love me as you did at first that's the first thing he says so the first thing that happened to this church in ephesus is they lost their love for god and when you lose your love for god you know what you start loving yourself that because you know we have god we got the spirit we got jesus and then we got our flesh and they're in constant battle they never agree on anything because our flesh always tries to bring us down but the spirit of god is saying you got to step up you got to move you need to cleanse from this you need to purify from this in your life so when you stop loving God, when you stop put, placing him first in your life, you start falling back in the other direction. It just naturally happens. That's what happened to Satan when, when rebellion uh, sparked in his mind right away. He's like, I could be equal to God. I could do this. God left you know, off his radar. God wasn't in the first place on his radar anymore. And what happened? Rebellion, pride, he fell and now he's destroying this world and then one day he's going to be burning forever and he's got no hope that's what happens when we lose our gaze on god when god isn't the first thing in our lives anymore rebellion rises up pride rises up our flesh starts kicking in sins start creeping back sins that we beat like two three years ago start creeping up back into our lives that's what happens when we lose our focus on God when he's not first in our lives anymore you know when God is first in your lives anymore you you don't you don't you know unlike uh, iPhones and iPads when you put something into a calendar you have an option where it's like you could put something into a calendar but you can and there's a spot where it says availability and pretty much you can write that you know this time is concrete or this time is kind of like oh well if I find something better to do you know church stops being like that for you Church is just, you know, Friday night I'm at church. There's nothing else I'm doing on Friday night. There's nowhere else that I'm going. There's nobody that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss this, the, this service for because God is going to be here and this is where God wants me to be. That's what happens. When it starts becoming wishy-washy where you're like, well, I haven't seen my relatives in like three months. I should probably just go this one time. You know what? As soon as youth is over, go see your relatives. It's Friday night. They're not going to go to bed at 9 they'll, o'clock. They'll stay up late. As soon as youth is over, don't stand here and talk to people. Go there right away. Do what you got to do. But be where God wants you to be first and foremost. You know, do the right thing even when it's difficult, even when you don't feel like it, even when there's something that's more fun for you. Just do the right thing. Look over your flesh. Look past the things that you want to do and and start looking through God's eyes and where does God want to see me tonight? What does God want me to do tonight? They fell into religion. Religion is a uh, a, a terrifying thing. Honestly, it's a terrifying thing. There's one one thing I'm more scared of than falling into the world, and that's falling into religion. Because, <laughs> you know, when you're in religion, that's where God is saying, I'm, I'm spitting you out of my mouth. I want nothing to do with you. It, it would have been better off for you to just be in the world. Just go. J- just go. Just get out of my presence. Just stop pretending, you know. Religion is... Uh, Religion is in its way, it's a, it's a, it's a sort of a false teaching, you could say. It's, it's, you know, if it's being preached, you know, I'm talking about like in, in a church. If, if they just, oh, it's a religious church, it's, it's false teaching. And like I was saying, there's a lot of false teaching nowadays. And uh, we read recently, you guys don't have to open up there, but in Colossians 1.25, you can write it down and look there later. Paul says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. Now, false teaching isn't necessarily anything that's wrong. What false teaching is, it's it's uh, when you over-exaggerate one aspect of God, but you ignore other aspects of God. That's what false teaching is. It's not when, you know, technically it is, but, you know, when someone says, you know, devil is who we should we should uh, glorify. And that's like false teaching, but that's like, you know, that's obvious, you know. I'm talking about false teaching in the church. That's when, you know, I, I read this book when i when i said that to anton i'm like anton i read another book and he's like oh no yeah i read another book it's uh i don't know if you guys remember i think in uh earlier this year in march we uh zima showed us that video of a steve hill and he had that vision of the spiritual avalanche and then after that video we like worship for another hour you guys remember that night yeah awesome night so this guy steve hill he actually wrote a book about this uh vision that that that, that he got in, and what God spoke spoke to him in, in this revelation. And and I read this book. And uh just this book is is just it's it's uh it's amazing. I don't know. I, I I read it and it's like every single thing there's not one thing I found in the book that I didn't agree with. Everything he said in the book it's like the the same spirit that we're in. It's like you know what, we're in the end times you're reading this you're probably not even liking what i'm writing but i'm going to keep writing it anyways because it's my book and i can write whatever i want you know but it's like that attitude and that you know i'm gonna i'm gonna preach the truth no matter no matter what and no matter who it hurts i'm gonna i'm gonna say it because that's what god has given me and this book just if if i you know told you guys every single interesting thing that happened in my life about this book i, I wouldn't even have time tonight but uh one thing is a. Uh, he was talking about the, the biggest avalanche ever in the history of America was in a city called Wellington, Washington. What is the craziest thing? A couple months ago, we were in Idaho, and we're driving home and I start reading this book, and I start reading about this avalanche in Wellington, Washington. I'm like, I never heard of this place." And you know, Andre always knows everything. About everything. So I'm like, Andre, where is Wellington, Washington? Is it northeast? He's like, I have no clue. I've never heard of it. I'm like, okay. Open up Google, Google Maps, Wellington, Washington. It's like, you know, as you're driving, it shows where your location is. It's like, I'm looking at my location and like an inch away from it, Wellington, Washington. I'm like, so I'm like looking up and I'm like, oh, okay. So, wow. So I'm like looking up and you see these hills and you see all these mountains on both sides. And you're like, Oh, wow, this is where the avalanche happened. <laughs> As you're reading this in the book, and it's just like this happened in, in uh, February of 1910. Who was born in February 1910? Ben, you're older than your dad. Okay, good job. <laughs> February of 1910. It's uh, they were they were. It was almost for like uh, uh almost a month long, and just nonstop every single day. They had snow coming in it, every single day. Uh, they had as much as one foot an hour at one point. And on the worst day, they had 11 feet of snow. That's in one day, in a city. This isn't like Snoqualmie Pass. This is a city, a little town, 11 feet. On February 28th, the last day of February, unless this was a leap year, but February 28th, it starts raining. It starts raining. Rain smooths down the path. And a 10-foot avalanche falls on the city. 10 feet. Imagine 10 feet of snow coming your way. That's like twice my height almost, a little bit less than twice my height. And you're like, okay, well, that's not too much. That's not, you know, that's not too bad. That's not too much. Yeah, imagine it coming at you at like over 100 miles per hour, and you're kind of just standing there, and you're like, oh, I'm about to die. Yeah. It looks pretty big now, right? It looks pretty big now. And what's even worse is a couple, a couple months before this, there was a forest fire in the area. So it cleared out all the trees. So it's just a straight path for the city, for the, for the little town. This 10-foot avalanche hits and it killed 96 people. There was, there was a train going on, on, on the tracks at that same time. It hit the train, passengers and, and workers. It killed 96 people, biggest avalanche in, in the history of America. And he was talking about avalanches, and he was talking about how that's false teaching in the church today. Remember, we, we watched the video. And, and he just starts quoting all, all, all the false teaching that's in the church. He said seven, seven different things. I wrote them down real quickly. He said, uh, false teaching number one, the carnal prosperity message. The prosperity message that satisfies our flesh. Or you know, God wants you to be rich. God wants you to have an awesome job. God wants you to be a millionaire. God wants you to 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 chase those dreams, and He wants you to have a lot of money. Or at the same time, we look at God does want us to prosper. God does want us to be blessed. But with this message, they're ignoring the part where uh, you still got to rely on God every single day. You're not going to get everything that you want. It's not going to happen. So, and you know, and, and all these false teaching, it's like they, they have one quality of God that's good. And then they ignore everything else. They have the hyper grace message. Everything's about grace. God is grace. God is grace. God forgives. Did you sin today? It's okay. God forgives you. You know, just uh, say this prayer with me right now. You know, 300 people uh, repeated, repeated the, the salvation prayer after me. Hooray, we got 300 people saved today. You know, church, let's, let's give us a hand clap. That's the hyper-grace message. We have, Man, I don't even know if I'm going to read this right. I don't even know why he uses big words. He probably tried it to sound really smart. And he sounded pretty smart. Antinomianism. And that's kind of like uh, what Pastor was talking about one Sunday where uh, pretty much you're a Christian, but you're full-on in sin. You're just living full-on in sin. It's kind of diff- it's kind of like a notch up from hyper-grace because at this point you don't even care about asking for forgiveness. You're just sinning, you're in sin, and you're just living in this cycle. You're living in, in this life. Then you got the, the false teaching where everything is about me, not God, where it's about the things that I want to do, where you chase the ministries that you feel that God wants you to do, but God never told you to do it. But you're like, I'm going to chase it anyways, you know. I'm going to, uh, I'm 20 years old, but I'm going to write a book on relationships because God just gave me this deep revelation of relationships. I'm 20 years old. I've never been married. But I just feel it in my heart that I need to write a book about this. You know, another false teaching, challenging the authority of the word. It's when you start reading the word of God and you change it to be the way that you want it to be, to accept it. You, you, you sort of, in a way, you make up a God in your own, in your own head and you think that's the true God. And you know, and, and you think that he forgives, and he's okay with this, and he's okay with that. When in all reality, he's not. When you pervert the word, when you make it and interpret it into what you want want it to be. Another one is uh, rejecting hell. When you say there's there's just no hell, you know, when people die, they go to heaven or they go to purgatory, and you know, there they they're cleansed, and then they go to heaven. You know, that's that's re, read your Bible. Jesus talked about hell a lot, a lot. And the last one is, he said, is universal reconciliation, where it's a belief that everybody, it's kind of similar to the one before this, but it's like just everybody goes to heaven. doesn't matter what you do, it's just everybody goes to heaven. The difference between this and the one before this is, the one before this, people think if I live a bad life, first I'll be in purgatory and then I'll go to heaven. This message is just everybody goes to heaven. You don't need nothing, you don't need no purgatory, just do whatever you want and then we'll be in heaven and we'll keep doing the same stuff in heaven, you know? Those are. For, I'm sure, as I was naming those things, almost for every single one of those things, you could think of a person who has fallen into something like that, something similar to that, you know. And that's the scary thing. That's the sad thing. That that these things that he's writing, it's not something that's just far out there. It's like, yeah, that's coming. We're living in it. We're living in, in, in this life. We're living in this in this world where this is Christianity. This is what we're living in. You know, I got a, got a couple podcasts on my iPod. And just some big churches, I just wanted to listen what they preach about. Almost every single church I listen to, except G4T, I was disappointed in at one point or another. It's just, it's all about prosperity. It's all about the grace. It's all about God's forgiveness. And there's nothing about God's holiness. There's nothing about God's purity. There's nothing about what He wants, not what we want. You know, you don't hear those messages very often. You know, you hear them here pretty often because that's all we preach about. Because we got the truth. You don't, and and like Dima was saying, it's like we think, you know, everybody knows this stuff. Nobody knows this stuff. When we start talking to people about what we truly believe and how we really live our lives, something in their mind just doesn't connect because they've never seen it before. Because they don't see that in their schools. They don't see that in their workplaces. That's something that God's given us. Every single one of us. You know? And, and, and the sad thing is, you know, all these pastors, all these teachers, they're not even doing this on purpose. That's the sad thing. They really don't know any better. They didn't have a real father in their life who spoke the truth to them every single day. They didn't have somebody who always was honest with them, and when they were off, told them that, hey, you're off right now. You know, you're, you're, you're seeking your ambitions, not God's. They never had anybody like that. And, you know, they didn't have a, a guys for strength or a girls for purity in their church. They didn't have an i 68 youth in their church. They didn't have these prayers that we're all having. You know, you know, we, we, we have to be like John the Baptist. You know, we have to be that voice in the wilderness saying, here comes the Lamb of God. Here comes the Savior of the world. You know, just when you read about John the Baptist, it's, you know, you got John the Baptist and Paul. They're just the weirdest people you'll ever meet in your life. And Bill Wilson's up there, too. <laughs> but uh, you read about John, and it's just like John had so much opportunity to build his own ministry just so much opportunity he had so much followers he had so much disciples people were coming from all over the place to the desert just to see him and to hear him preach he could have started building his own ministry i remember there was a a a message by bob bob sorge i believe preached and he he talked about all the things that john did wrong because you know john could have built a pretty good ministry could have had a twenty thousand plus church going on nice building three locations you know, come on, step it up. You're, you know, you're doing this stuff outside. You got to be indoors, you know, better acoustics. Come on, John the Baptist. Camel hair, not really good looking. You eating the crickets, it's kind of freaking people out. You know? But we have to be, we got to be that weirdo. We got to be that person who, who is just like, you know, the more I look at this picture, the little people in the one right person. The more I realize, man, this is what I look like to this world. This is realistically what I look like to this world. I don't make sense to this world. You know, we don't make sense to this world. We walk around in our jobs and, and whether you notice it or not, people are giving you weird looks. You're walking around in school and everybody's like, Why? And everybody's just kind of looking at you and thinking, Man, there's something off about you. There's something wrong with you. You're you're not normal. And you're like, Yeah, I'm not normal. <laughs> I'm radical. The, the craziest thing is uh, we are the normal ones. <laughs> They're not normal, man. Something's off with them. And, and we got to be like uh, John the Baptist who, who told them straight up, hey, you guys are not normal, you brood of vipers. <laughs> you dogs, mutilators of the flesh. You know, we got to pick up our vocabulary. We got to start saying these things. I mean, <laughs> John was on to something, you know. You know, you know, come into a, a, a church You start flipping over tables with books. You'll be like, I'm sorry Jesus did this, you know, when he entered into the temple. I I didn't know know any better. Get the whip, Andre says. Get the whip. (laughs) Start whipping, folks. Uh, You you don't love me or each other as you did at first. That was God's problem with Ephesus. And then we talked about that you don't love me. The second part is or each other as you did at first. Now, I believe the first thing uh, uh, the church in Ephesus did wrong is they uh, lost their focus on God. The second thing they did wrong is they lost their focus on the harvest. They lost their focus on people. They lost their focus on getting others saved. They lost that love, that compassion that they at one point had, that their whole ministry was built on in the very beginning. They lost it. They were so busy and caught up doing their ministry things, doing this, doing that, making sure there's nothing wrong in the church, making sure this, that they completely lost the fact that there's people out in this world that are dying. It's like they isolated themselves. And they became pure. They became holy. But they didn't do anything with it. They didn't share it with anybody. They kept it to themselves. And, uh, you know, church is... I truly believe that church is not the center of Christianity. This building, this place, this is not the main thing that Christianity is all about. This is not the main point that Jesus was trying to bring to this earth. It's not just the church. The main thing that Jesus wanted to bring to us, the reason the Holy Spirit came is so that we would be the light. Every single place that we go, so that we would be the temple, the tabernacle of God. And everywhere, it's not just about a building. The purpose of this building is for us to gather here, for us to learn, for for us to to have community, for us to to have leaders in our life who, who will teach us. The point of this church is to encourage us and to help us keep going. But if we're just so sold out into ministry and so sold out into church that we don't do anything outside of here, we're missing the point. You know, we're missing the point. It's good to be involved. It's good to do a lot of things. But if you're not being a light in your workplace, you're missing it. If you're not being the light in your school, you're just not getting it. We don't come here and pray just because it's something that gets us us excited and and energetic and and all this stuff. No, we come here and pray because we want to see revival around us. Because we want to see lives change around us. Because we want to see those opportunities where just random people come up to us and just want to hear what God's doing in our lives. That's why we pray. Well, why Why do we hear these messages? So that so that so that we're encouraged and we're like, you know what, man? Uh, l- look Look at this guy, man. Look at Dennis. Look at Andre. Look at Zima. They're always on fire. They always have a word. I want to be like that. And you start reading the Word of God, and you start and you start actually receiving it, because you got encouraged by somebody else's faithfulness. You know, it's we read about that in, in 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 Second Thessalonians somewhere in chapter one verse four, it, Paul's saying, we proudly tell. God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness and all the persecutions and hardships you are suffering you know when we're faithful whether you know it or not that's a better testimony to anybody else, to anybody than, than you just speaking to them and, and trying to get them converted when you're just faithful when you keep doing the right thing no matter what people look at you people notice from the side and they're like you know what it is possible it is possible to achieve this in my life it is possible to do this in my life and and others start getting encouraged just by us doing the right thing won't even have to say anything just live the right life do the right thing make the right decision you know and that's going to be a bigger testimony than than anything you could ever say you know when, when it's just we get caught up so much especially around christmas time and and all these times when we're busy we get so caught up and we're running around and we're running around and then our prayer life starts dying out a little bit because we're not balancing things right because because it's the the way i look at it is 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 it's like this you got the way the way your life is is balanced out well for me personally i got church life i got my personal life and then i got (laughs) the spirit's life what the spirit wants me to do all the time you know and it's like around those times when we're busy it's like we get more in the church stuff but we don't want to sacrifice our personal things so we do all the stuff we have to do in church. We do all the stuff that we want to do. And then kind of the Holy Spirit and, you know, our Bible reading time, our praying time, it kind of suffers a little bit. But you know what? I, I don't believe that, that around these holidays when we're really busy, I don't believe that our spiritual life should suffer. I truly don't believe that. Because once you learn to balance things out, once you learn to prioritize things, you put yourself down even more during those times. You know, you like to practice your guitar for an hour every day. You just don't practice it because you have to spend that hour doing something else. You have to spend that hour seeking God. You want to do this? You want to go to the store? You want to fix your car? You want to work on this? You want to do that? Sacrifice it because you got to pray, because you got to read your word. You know, it's not, uh, it's not that, you know, I'm so overwhelmed in church and everything stuff. No, it's just you got a problem prioritizing things. You want to keep yourself and you want to keep the things that you want to do and you don't want to give them up and that's why you can't balance everything. You know, we, we, showed, we showed this uh, illustration to kids one time at kids' church. It's like you got this jar, and Zima actually did this on stage one time. You, you got this jar, and, and, and what people like to do is they like to, like, fill it. You know, you got little rocks, you got medium-sized rocks, and you got big rocks. And what they do is they, they want to fit the tiniest rocks at the very bottom. Then they put the medium-sized rocks, and then they want to fit all the big rocks in there, and it doesn't fit. Because you didn't prioritize things right. What you do is you put the big things in first. You put the important things in first, then the things that matter after that, and then you pour salt, in, uh, sand in it or salt or whatever, and it all fits, and you got balance in your life. But when you don't prioritize things the right way, it's out of whack, and you're not going to survive. You know, everybody's going to be taking 10 steps forwards this month, and you took like three steps backwards. Everybody's moving on. Everybody's on to something else, and you're still stuck in the same cycle, you, and you're like Israel for 40 years walking around in circles because you just don't get it start prioritizing things start putting things in the right perspective you know with if, if you take like if you take Vajic and you put me next to Vajic I'm gonna look like a little tiny shrimp if you put me next to like Ben I'm gonna look a little bit bigger it's not that I change size it's just your perspective changes just you, you stop measuring me you know by how big Vajic is and you start measuring by how little Ben is And it's not that you're little, it's just you're young. You'll get big, don't worry. But you know what I mean? Your perspective changes. The way you look at things changes. And and when you start looking at things through the way that God wants, everything shifts. The things that used to make sense to you don't make sense anymore. The things that didn't make sense to you, the things that you always thought were impossible to do, are all of a sudden possible. You know? I didn't think I could wake up in the morning every single time and pray. Well, it's possible. I didn't think I could do it at 4 o'clock in the morning, but I'm getting there. You know, it's possible. It's possible to do these things. When you start noticing this in your life, and you start noticing that, hey, you know, the Holy Spirit is actually powerful. (laughs) He can actually help me do this. He can actually help me uh, do these things that I never thought I could do. And it's difficult. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy requires endurance it requires strength but you got to always come back when you come back you know to that first love when you come back to that very beginning just think about when you first came to christ that passion that you had that zeal that you had you were ready to like bite someone's head off now you're scared to talk to them because you might hurt their feelings Come back to your first love. Come back to that. You know, where is that passion? Where is that love that you had? You know, how come when I just came, you know, that's just an example. When I just came to church, I used to, you know, fast one day every single week. Well, what happened now? Uh, Oh, it's it's getting kind of busy. It's getting kind of hard. Well, did God lower the standards for you or something? Did I not get the memo? Did God lower the standard for all of us? You know, maybe our lives can be a lot easier. No. God's raising the standards. You know, if... uh, if watching TV was a sin for you when you first came to God, why is it okay now all of a sudden? Because you lowered your standards. Because now you're not seeking the same level of holiness that you were before. You know, why was uh, this bad before and now it's okay? Why was this a sin before but now it's, it's kind of alright to do sometimes, you know? Because you lose your focus on God and you start focusing on yourselves and, and, and pleasing your flesh. But the key is endurance. The key is faithfulness. You know, the key is to keep going in those times. That's how you make it. You know, some people came up to me and asked me, and they're like, how are you still, like, you know, functioning? I'm like, I don't know how I'm still functioning. I'm just constantly going back and remembering where God brought me out of. That's all I need to function. Just When you start wanting to please yourself, just think, Man, where would I be right now if it wasn't for God's grace? Where would I be right now if He never saved me? And you start thinking about salvation and you start coming back to the cross first and foremost. And and that salvation that you received that you didn't even deserve. And and you know, when that's in your focus, when that's in your mind, you stop caring about all these little petty things that don't matter. You stop thinking about sports, you stop thinking about TV, you stop thinking about it, internet and all this junk. Because when God is first in your life, then Jesus even said, "You know, this is the greatest commandment: love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor." Those are the two things that Ephesus forgot. <laughs> they did everything else, but they forgot the main point. And you know, when we do, when we do those things, I believe we'll 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 stay faithful to the end. I truly, do if we always keep God in our focus, if we always keep our mind focused on 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 the people around us on, on, on the harvest on, 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 on salvation on being the light on being the salt on being uh, the house of God everywhere on being the tabernacle on being the true church of Christ when we focus on that we won't be doing funky things we won't be you know our flesh won't have victory in, in, in our lives when we do those things and this uh, this Tuesday that group we were talking about faith and hope faith and hope uh, and pretty much like we really got into it you you know how we do but uh, to put it in a nutshell faith is like when you uh, it's like action you know something's difficult and you're like God I'm believing and I'm taking the step of faith because I trust in you and then there's times where you, you don't have any faith left you're just out of strength, you, you don't even know, that's when you just start hoping that God does something in your situation, because you can't do anything anymore, you've tried, you've tried everything, and nothing works, and at that point, you're like, God, I'm just hoping on you to move, and he never disappoints, he always shows up at the right time, at the, just with perfect timing, He always show, even if it's like, you're about to fall, and you're about to hit the ground, and right as, like, like that plane was coming out, right as soon as it it's about to hit the ground. God just picks you up, and he's like, oh, you're fine. And you're like, well, that was cool. Let's not do that again, though, please. I didn't really enjoy it very much. <laughs> but during that process, your character was changed. During that process, you learn how to rely on God. And next time when you're falling down, you, you might be looking down on the ground, and you're seeing it right here, and you're still not going to be afraid because you know God's going to protect you, and you're not even worried. And if you do hit the ground and die, then you're in heaven, and it's even better. Either way, you win. Either way, you're, you're victorious. Either way. My, my dad always tells me, Noah, aren't you, aren't you risking it being a Christian? Imagine if everything that you believe is wrong. And I'm like, okay, everything's wrong. I'm going to go to God anyways. I'm like, now, Dad, imagine if everything that I'm saying is right. And imagine if you're wrong. If I'm right and you're wrong, when you die, you're not going to be in heaven. You know, who's risking their lives? And... and just uh, wanted to encourage you guys. Always go back, go back to your first love, go back to the beginning. Never and just never forget. You know, never forget where God brought you out of. Never forget those 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 revelations that you built your ministry on. Never forget those important things in your life that 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 are in your foundation. You know, don't start building the house up and forgetting about what's in the foundation, because you'll start building it sideways. You need to remember you need to oh yeah holiness oh yeah purity oh yeah prayer oh yeah the bible start remembering those things the cross start thinking about what jesus did start and then and then you won't even have to worry about anything else in this life just everything will always just yeah you'll have worries Yeah, you'll have times where sometimes you're like god you are really cutting it close here this is really 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 intense but I still trust you and I still know you'll, you'll pull me through and I still know you'll take care of me you know so I just uh, in, in, uh, in Luke twelve forty eight it says when someone has been given much much will be required in return and when someone has been entrusted with much even more be required you know i was talking about false teaching we've been entrusted with a lot we've been given a lot we have the truth that most of this world doesn't have you know we have the truth that most churches don't have and it's our responsibility to be the light it's our responsibility to to be honest, to be brutally honest when we have to, and to call out someone's sin when we see it. It's our responsibility to get jealous, uh, to get zealous. And even to get jealous for souls, just like God is. It's our responsibility. It's not a choice that we can make. You know, we have to do that. We have to. This world needs us. This world needs us. Your family needs you. Your school needs you. I know you've heard this a lot, but just remember, come back to it. They need you. They need you. They need you to step up. They need you to do something radical. They need you to do something crazy. They need you to stand up and be that voice. Amen. So I just want us all to stand up, and, uh, and we're going to pray. And we're just going to pray, and we're just... In this prayer, I just want you to come back, come back to the beginning. Come back to, to where it all started. Remember where God brought you out of. Remember what he did in your life, the, the, the drastic changes that he made in you, all the crazy and wonderful things that have happened in your life. So I just want you to just start remembering about that. Just start remembering about what God's done. God, we thank you, God. We thank you so much. We thank you so much for everything that, that, that you've done in us.